SMQBs, episode 115, Trust the Process. This is the episode where we cover the NBA uh, conference finals. We have a pretty good discussion on John Morant, good discussion on tanking uh, and how to build a team. And then also we do a punchable face of the week. No lasso this week, unfortunately, and some really good uh, buzzer beaters. Check us out. Leave us five stars. Thanks for listening. SMQB's 115. And then there were two left. Tattooless. <laughs> Got a majority of the SMQBs are committed at this point. You got to pay your debts. The pressure is building on you, Pope. You yeah. got to pay your debts. My favorite was um, Zero when pressure. I said, Milk, you're next. And he said, Is it Pope next? <laughs> So milk is waiting on you, Pope. I don't think you should let the guy down. I mean, show a little leadership right now. He's having a rough day as it is moving. Milk's skin is so light. If they tried to tattoo it, it'd go right through to his, his bone. That's probably (laughs) true. Actually, he'd probably probably gain weight from the ink. (laughs) (laughs) Might be the best thing the little guy could do, right? (laughs) Put a little weight on. So think of how small that tattoo would have to be. <laughs> oh, God. All right. How's everybody doing? House, you're Terrible. having a good week, aren't you? Terrible. Oh. Terrible. Oh. Oh. Your team Do you know the out. worst? Do you know the worst part? There's so many bad things to the Sixers loss. So, so many bad things. You know the worst of it all is now that our comparison in sports is the Dallas Cowboys. Do you, I mean, do you Ooh. understand how bad that is? Yeah, that we always make the playoffs, but never get a championship because it's about the same amount of time. You're talking about the Sixers, I assume. Yes. Yeah. It's brutal. It is brutal. Brutal. That When's is... the last time you uh, hung a banner? Sixers? Mm-hmm. Uh, 83. Was milk alive? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know that Bison was. 83? Oh, bison. Yeah, Bison was alive. was alive. He was alive. I was alive. I was still looks alive. so young. Milk was alive. Well, listen, you know, the good thing about the Sixers going out now is that, you know, Josh Harris can fire Doc and move on to focusing on the commanders. And I hope Doc becomes the coach of the commanders. <laughs> he might, maybe he'll that do would be better. interesting. Maybe he would. He listen. He probably couldn't do worse than some of the coaches we've had over the years. Uh, and you know, at least he would get us to the playoffs. Well, right. If he gets you deep into ten playoffs, and then has yeah. the same has the same record that he does as in Game Sevens, you'd be happy. Yeah. Right. That's right. So, but this uh, wasn't so yeah, about I Game am, Seven. It was about Game Six. Well, let's, that's let's, very true. I mean, Look, let's jump into it, right? Let's get into the NBA playoffs, and and we're because we're down to we're down to four now. Um, so, House, I mean, Pope, go ahead. Let's just take it away on where you where you were right there with with Game Six and the. Well, I mean, they had their opportunity in Game Six. 
they won game five, that amazing shot by Harden. And uh, they they had every and, and with with uh, Tatum having a historically horrible night. But at one point, I think he was one for 14 from the floor. Uh, their their guys they just they didn't step up and and that was the game they had to they had to take care of business they could not go back to game seven uh, in Boston and and they failed I mean Toby what happened uh, they shrunk they shrunk in the last uh, other than a period of the first quarter in game seven their offensive prowess and strategy completely disappeared I mean. It really became everybody knows the Sixers are a pick and roll team, that everything's hardened and bead, hardened and bead. But Boston is a very good defensive team. And when you take a very good defensive team and you tell that team you only have to defend two players, not all five, you know, it gets the game gets a lot easier. That's what happened at the end of game six. That's what happened for most of game seven. And look, I we can talk for forever about the Sixers' flaws and failures, but I I do give credit to the person responsible for the Boston being in the Eastern Conference Finals. One person won Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum went off at the end of Game 6, and he had a historic performance in Game 7. You got to tip your hat to him. I mean, I do think there's been a lot of talk. Not Look, most of the talk is Embiid and Harden, looking lazy and disappearing and not just showing the body language that you should have in a game seven and just a lot of that stuff. But I'm sure you guys saw in game seven, uh, Harden went up to go make a shot and lost control of the ball. And when he lost control of the ball, his arms went flailing. And as his arms were flailing, it caught Jalen Brown in the mouth and that nose gave gave him a bloody nose. Bloody no, actually, I think it's a bloody lip, but it doesn't matter. It, blo- it, bl- it bloodied his face, and the Sixers were up six, and Boston got a flagrant one with with two free throws in the possession, cut it to two, shifted the whole momentum. There was a long pause. It was the equivalent of Boston having like two timeouts to get their shit together, and I don't think the way Tatum was shooting that we were ever going to win game seven, but that for me, and I think most Sixers fans was the turning point of yesterday. Why, why in the world it was Embiid guarding Tatum for most of game seven? Well, two, two reasons. I, you know, we've, we've criticized Missoula a lot, the Boston coach, but he made a very smart switch in six, which is to put, um, Rob Williams. Rob Williams. Yeah. Rob Williams on the floor at the same time as Horford and sit Derek White, which forced, you know, we we don't really have two big guys to defend. And it forced Embiid somewhere with PJ Tucker, mostly the other place. But I agree it should have been Toby. It should have been Toby Har- Tobias Harris on Tatum at all times. Um, I think they really thought that the game plan was to take away the perimeter. For Boston, and they thought Embiid's long arms might have a chance to do that on Tatum's three-point shooting. It obviously didn't. So here's my other question: There's almost nobody in the league who can defend Embiid in the paint. So why don't you ever post him up? Why is it always pick and roll? That's where I blame Doc Rivers. That's why I believe we need a new coach. We the guy has elite 
elite skills as a center, probably some of the best skills as a center since Shaq. And you, you just misuse him. You underuse him. The guy should be posting up is what Shaq talks about. It's what Charles Barkley talks about. And Doc won't do it. I don't know. Yep. I don't yep. know. Yep. Missoula, you know, until game seven, I was thinking to myself, this guy could be the first guy in the history of the NBA to take his team to a championship, win the championship and get fired for being a horrible coach. Because <laughs> I, I swear that um, um, Marcus Smart and uh, uh, Horford were coaching the team for most of the game six. I think Missoula was it, it just scared, didn't know what to do doesn't know how to make substitutions, doesn't know how to call timeouts. And I think those two vets stepped up and sort of helped them along the way. And and he did make some good moves going into game seven, but he really is it's just they're winning despite him. Yeah. Well they're 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 more than a streaky perimeter shooting team. If if they if they get on in threes and there's so many of them. I mean, Derek White can hit him. Malcolm Brogdon can hit him. Marcus Smart can hit him. Alf Horford can hit him. Jason Tatum can hit him. They all are good three-point shooters. And I don't think Miami's got enough defenders to defend the three-point line. And you haven't even mentioned Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown. My God, Jalen Brown. How did I forget that one? So, House, at the 11-37 mark in the third quarter, Tobias Harris made a three-point jumper to tie the game. A 55. 55, 55, 10 minutes later, uh, with a minute and change left, they're down 83 to 50, a 28 to three. How could they go from 55 to 50? Uh, 83 to 50, 83 to 58, sorry. 28 to three gut punch. How in today's NBA, in the, in the game seven, how could something like that happen? Is that coaching? Is it playing? Uh, well, that's that's what, what I was going to ask too. I mean, do you blame the coach for that? It's everything. It's everything. What was what was on the floor wasn't working. You bring in you bring in something different off the bench. You run a different offensive set. You, they stopped defending the perimeter. They had an outstanding first half defensively because they really were disciplined to defend the perimeter against Boston. They stopped defending the perimeter and they stayed with the pick and roll. We went ice cold from three and they could not miss from three they could not but it was just the most putrid horrible meltdown no team uh since really they started the shot clock has ever scored as low as 10 points in uh, a quarter in playoff basketball let alone a game seven it was inexcusable and you know i just i don't a lot of folks don't know where to turn uh I think Toby's gone. He's on a max contract. He's never been a max player. Nice player, not a max player. Harden apparently wants to go back to Houston. And frankly, despite a couple game heroics in one and four, I think he's really lost a step. He's certainly not the shooter he once was. He turns over the ball way too much compared to previously. And he's a poor defender. And, you know, so you're really left with Embiid and Maxi and some role players, some, some bench players. They're going to need more pieces. Sounds like a rebuilding that, project. They, surely that's not what they want to do at this time. They won't rebuild, but they're, they're going to have to retool and find, find some vets um, that fit well. There's a, there's, the rumor is that they're interested in uh, 
the point guard from the Blazers. Dame. Damian Lillard. Lillard. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants him. Who I don't know. If this yeah. Is, yeah. So I, thought Knicks, this, right? I, I thought a major turning point in game seven was when Horford finally made a three. Remember, he rattled it in and yep. it finally broke the seal. And all of a sudden, these guys did start raining in threes. But they were they were cold for a couple of games from three, especially him. But how so, I, you know, the, the thing is, though, is, you know, go back to this rebuild or retool thing. I mean, you can you can literally retool midseason. Right. I mean, look at the Lakers. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you have a guy like Embiid, the uh, the MVP, um, then you ought to be able to retool midseason. But they don't have the draft picks to to deal like the Lakers did. Well, here's where the real pain point comes that Sixers fans are asking themselves today. To your question, can you retool midseason and still win? If your late lead guy is Embiid, does he have the heart and the will of a champion? I look around these playoffs. I see Jimmy Butler go off. I see Jokic go off. I see LeBron go off. I see Tatum go off in the games that matter most. And what's really painful right now is this guy who's beloved in the city, who we were ready to etch into Rushmore here after he won the MVP. What he did at the end of game six where he didn't touch the ball for about four minutes. And in most of game seven, it makes you wonder, does he have the just that gumption, the moxie to get you a win? It's, it's no mistake the four leaders that are left in the NBA playoffs right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, Embiid's post-game presser wasn't very impressive, was it? Not really. They did take that one quote out of that context. That was out of context. Yeah. I felt bad for him. The, yeah. the one question and answer that I thought was telling was when uh, Harden was asked about, you know, do you want to see Doc come back? And he said, oh, Doc's OK. Yeah, <laughs> I think Harden, I think I think, you know, you alluded to the 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 stat rooster about going to a 10 game sevens and losing seven of them. I think is the number something like that. I mean, it's Sick. the worst. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 the worst in NBA. I just I don't know how you keep that coach, even if the players like him. I mean, what what more evidence that do you need that this guy is not going to work with this team? And you've got, which I hope we'll talk about, you've got a Trevor Trove of treasure trove of available coaches right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's let's let's jump into that's that true. actually because the you know the. The NBA, you know, is a win now. What have you done for me lately? Sort of league, other other than for Doc, it seems like who keeps getting chances. But you've got coaches who are who are good coaches who are all available now, right? Nick Nurse was out in Toronto. Boonholes are out in um, uh, uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Uh, Monty Williams from Phoenix, right? And so, yep. uh, and you got to assume that Doc is going to be available for someone. Question is, will he get another job at this point? But man, this is really like, you know, these guys had good seasons, but, you know, and are, and are respected coaches. But if you can't win in the playoffs, teams move on. Well, in Doc's defense, though, in order to lose six out of 10 game sevens, he had to get to 10 game sevens. And there are lots of teams in the league who would, who would be really happy with that. So he's going to get a job for a mediocre team without a problem. 
I just um, I cannot wrap my head around some some of these firings. I mean, Budenholzer just got them a championship a couple years ago. Nick Nurse got them a championship four years ago. Yep. Uh, and is playing with Pascal Siakam and Victor Anunobi. I mean, and just garbage. And Monty Williams just got like a new team where his star got playing for him 20, 30 games ago and had the team in the finals last year. Like, seriously, what what do you want out of these people? Monty Williams has been with them four years and was coach of the year twice. Um, coach Bud five years with a 271 and 120 record first championship for Milwaukee since 1971. Maybe the problem is with the GM who, who for a couple of years, hasn't seen the writing on the wall with the supporting, you know, um, team members behind Giannis. I agree with you. Um, Nick nurse, you know, 10 seasons with the team head coach since 2018, where he went 53 and 19 and won the championship for a team that had one star, you know, basically one superstar. Uh, I, maybe things just got a little stale with Nick Nurse. I do not understand Bud or Monty Williams, except for the fact that Monty did not do a great job um, assimilating KD. And they've got this new owner who's got new owneritis, right? He, he's just making moves quickly. Available. I mean, I, 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 you know, there's this talk that uh, I don't know what this love affair is with Tyron Lue. I really don't get it, but yeah. apparently that's who the Suns want. And may, maybe that's a Durant thing. I, I don't get it, but. Uh, well, is that part of the problem right there? Who's making these decisions? Exactly. Yeah. Are they the GMs or are they the star players? To me, the team that will be interesting to see who they get as a coach is the Pistons. <laughs> You know, they 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 had a coach, kind of a placeholder didn't see that, didn't coach. Didn't see that coming. Well, didn't Dwayne Casey. Yeah, the, the, the Pistons, the most right. interesting story of the offseason. Yes. Well, look, well, they've got they've got Jaden, um, they've got Killian Hayes, they've got Jalen Duran, they've got Cade, they've got they just picked up Wiseman from the um, um, from the Warriors, and they're they're in the top running of they're one of three or four teams with fourteen percent chance to to uh, get the first pick in the draft. I mean, that that would be a hell of a team to coach, that kind of young talent. Speaking of that, we got the lottery tomorrow night. Oh, really? Yeah, we'll find out. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you said that because I was just looking at that the other day. This I felt like this, um, this year's NBA all-rookie team was kind of interesting because – because on the second and third teams, yeah, J- Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey both made the second team. And I think on uh, Houston, they had, you know, two players on the third team. So there are some young teams that have some really, really good talent that need a good coach. I didn't really thought about that, that, I, that Detroit was without a coach. Yeah, Houston put both Tari Easton and Jabari Smith on the second team. So you got yep. some young teams with some very good players. So you add, what, you add what Victor uh, Wembanyama to that, and oh my God, wow. you know, yeah. What what is uh, Harden's contract situation? He can opt out, so he's got a player option to opt out, and he may opt out and go to go to Houston, which is you get, I, you get I don't, nothing. Get nothing. 
I, he looked but, like know, a guy who was afraid to fail in game six and seven to me. Yeah. I I don't, I don't, they just try to do too much, particularly hard. And he tries to do too much and the team just does not move the ball around. They're very stagnant offense with the pick and roll, but, but going back to that Victor Wembenyama thing, I mean, everybody has him as the next one. It's the next coming of the great player coming in. And uh, we just finished a 10 year process that was started by Sam Hinkie. Sixers were clearly losing on purpose for a while, for a few consecutive years that led to Joel Embiid, what was thought to be Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons. Um, you know, they were tanking to build with a roster of the best of the best. One year, almost at the NBA record, lost one only 10 games. So my question to you guys is in, in your sports, is it worth it? Is tanking worth it to go for it, even if you don't get there? Because right now, that's, again, a lot of angst in Philadelphia. Was, was all this process worth it? If, this, if we couldn't win game six at home and we're going to lose hard and Simmons is gone and Toby's gone and we're left with Embiid and Maxi, who didn't come about by the process anyway. So was it all worth it? I, I think there's there's some significant risks in it that that are embodied by what you went through in Philly. Um, and also, if you think back to 2007, when the Portland Trail Blazers had the first pick and they were debating between Greg Oden Ooh. and KD. Remember oh, the, man. Greg Oden or KD, they were having, they had billboards up mm-hmm. all over, um, you know, <sighs> And they they made the wrong choice. They they had no way of knowing. Greg Oden got hurt. Then he got then he hurt his you know he had the foot problem that all big men have, and he was a potentially great player who just didn't make it. And so my point is, you've got the risk of the player not working out. You got the risk. You have to have the a great GM to get it right, and you have to have a great coach. And when Philly tanked for three straight years and then picked Jaleel Okafor and Nerlens Noel and those guys, and then they, they, what was the pick that wound up getting the Celtics, Jason Tatum, they traded out of to take um, Fultz over when they made that pick, they could have picked Lonzo Ball or De'Aaron Fox and they took Fultz. Now, I remember myself saying, that is a great pick. Fultz is going to be awesome. And again, you just, how do you know? It's just a huge flip of the coin with some of these guys. He's he's recently started to play well for Orlando, but it was a complete bust. And, you, you know, it's often hard to predict these busts. It really is. So mm-hmm. it's a huge risk, man. And you're And you're building a culture of losing for three years. You're giving up, you know, you're using all these picks and if they don't work out, what do you have? You know, it's, I think it's a gigantic risk and um, it, it takes, it takes a lot of guts to do it. I wouldn't be so, so quick to give up though. I mean, I really do think Embiid and Maxi are a great core. Yeah. For a team. I mean, they'll put you in the playoffs every year, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get, see, they had the right idea with PJ Tucker. But you need you need a you need a few more PJ Tuckers. Every year there's somebody like that. Um, I think we're seeing some of those players on the on the Lakers this year. 
you, you just got to get that right mix and figure out what it is. It does take a great GM. I, I hope Daryl Morey's it. He obviously built some great teams previously before the Sixers, but we'll see. I don't know. I mean, Bison- it's, it's the, the NBA is so different too, right? I mean, the, the NBA to me is it's such a unique uh, uh, league in the sense that the way they build these teams, you know, like guys move around and get big contracts. They move around every summer um, and then they, they get bought out and the trade debt. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I just find it so interesting the way it works. Is there any other league where teams get remade mid season as much as they do in the NBA? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. No, Although, no it's, because it's such a small, it only takes a couple of players to totally remake a team to be a championship. That's right, championship and that's why the tanking thing is a little is a little harder to justify in the NBA. I think. Plus, don't forget because, when we had Jerry Bembry on the show, and he explained how the players have more power in the NBA than they do in any other league. So you can get a guy like LeBron's saying, "Hey, I want." two more stars to come with me and let's let's all join the heat or the lakers and that happens that doesn't happen in football baseball or hockey but the other part of that is do you know is that detrimental i mean going back to the question i think it came up a little earlier you've got some of these players who are calling the shots and maybe they don't know what the heck they're talking about Right. I mean, bring, oh, bring Harden in, bring, you know, bring whoever in. I want to play with this. And then at the end of the day, the team doesn't advance. Who's, you know, whose fault is that? Or bring Durant in. I mean, by the way, would you ever like trade or try and pick up Durant or Kyrie Irving at this point to think it's going to help your team win a championship? I wouldn't. Durant would. Durant would. I don't know. Shit. But, Put Durant with the with the Mavs and Luca right now. I, I think we could use that. Well, all right, I mean, let's, 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 but then not, but not if you have to give up. Not if you state. have to give up every other player on the team like the Suns did. Well, we have a bunch of worthless spares on our team right now. Happy to give them all up. <laughs> let's 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 say say football though. Like, all right, the Commanders might have a rough go of it for the next couple of years. Let's just say that. They, they might. I mean, Oop. they're not the commanders. Oh, the commanders. Yeah. They're not. I don't think they're prohibitive favorites for the Super Bowl this year. Let's say that Caleb Williams is the closest comparison to Patrick Mahomes. Would you say, hey, I'm okay with us going one and 16 next year if that gives us a chance to go to get Caleb Williams? I mean, I think the pro- so. So first of all, if you start out, you know, 0 and 8, then it's like, yeah, don't win any more games, right? I mean, at this point, you know, like, okay, guys, do the best thing and don't win any more games because you're not going anywhere. Um, But to start a season thinking, you know, we're really just hoping to finish at the bottom. I mean, that's that's a little different to me. And, and, And football, I don't know, man. Rule of thumb for any GM in football, never start out a season tanking Yeah, with the, with the goal of getting a USC quarterback or an Ohio State quarterback. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, I work. I think it's too hard. I mean, 
in in NFL. I mean, you just don't have any of these quarterbacks are all hit or miss. They're all just such hit or miss. I mean, I remember <clears throat> back when I was in college and the Cowboys arguably tanked to get Troy Aikman. It paid off for them, but that was a different time. There you go. I mean, yeah. he was, now, he was looks prohibitively like- the number one quarterback uh, in the draft and was a, a franchise quarterback. Everybody knew that. But, but you know that all those guys, but that could have gone the other way, too. I mean, you say everybody knew that he was a franchise quarterback until he wasn't, right? I mean, because how many guys did we know were going to be franchise quarterbacks oh, until great. they started playing in the NFL and then they weren't? You know, another another good example is the Nats, quite honestly. I mean, they they traded away the whole team, right? And they and they traded away guys who they had control of for another two years, uh, not just not just the rest of the season. And you know, was that a good move, man? I mean, I hated those moves. I hated those moves. At least it looks like right now, the guys that they brought in look to be like they actually might be hits. Uh, they might have hit on these on on these big names that they traded for um, right now. So, you know, I think it depends on the sport. Losing sucks. It sucks to go to a game and. Last year for the Nats, there was nothing intriguing to watch. Like you didn't even know who the players were. There was nothing interesting. At least this season, you have young guys playing, playing pretty well, and they're kind of fun to root for and watch. But losing takes a toll. You know, it it takes a toll. Yeah, I, I, although I have to say, um, with the Yankees, they have the deepest minor league prospects they've had in many years. I'd rather see them not make the playoffs this year and tr- start trading away all those guys like Cashman historically does for old, overpaid, mediocre talent. I mean, wh- who the hell needs Josh Donaldson on their team as their starting thir- third baseman? That's a typical Brian Cashman move. And I-, I would rather see every one of these young guys continue to play and develop at this point. Yeah. Well, when's, the funny, la- we- when's the last time that a, a major league team, baseball team, tanked to get a number one prospect that paid off? Never. I can't think of it ever. Well, were they actually tanked? I, I think it's, I mean, like I said, I think baseball is a little different. I mean, yeah. the Nats drafted Harper and Strasburg in back-to-back years, and those were pretty good, uh, pretty good, turned out to be pretty good picks. But did they intentionally tank? They just didn't have anybody on the team. You know, I don't know that they intentionally tanked. I guess, I guess the, the better comparison is is just selling off your team, right? I mean, the Marlins have done it. Yep. The the, the Rays are I mean, time form, to time. That's the arguably Pirates. a form of tanking. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I I think the Nats might show. Although at the time the Nats did it, they they weren't playing well. They weren't going anywhere. Uh, so you know, I think that may turn out to be a, a case where it did work out really well for them. I think Time will tell. you know we we had a a great conversation once on this pod about we took our pick between owner or coach or GM. I think a lot of folks said coach and I and I said GM and it goes back to Rooster's point earlier on the pod. If you're if you're not you don't have to tank if you have a smart GM that knows how to constantly retool, rebuild, add in these pieces here and there. There's a lot of teams that across all sports that have sustained success. And the reason they have sustained success, yeah, they might have one star, 
but they keep finding the right pieces to support that star. And, you know, you look at LeBron. Okay, yes, you can say AD is a superstar too, but it used to be the NBA, you needed three stars. You definitely don't have three stars in in LA. I don't really think you have three stars in Denver. You definitely don't have three stars in Miami. Or Boston. Or really Boston. So you've got good pieces. You're finding teams that work to to support these teams. That's the responsibility of GM. Daryl Moore's going to have to figure it out. You know, on this tanking topic, I wish we had Moose Jaw on today because for some reason, I think the safest league in which to tank and get a the number one pick is the NHL. Like, uh, you know, the Blackhawks getting uh, Connor Bedard. These guys all tend to work out, these number one picks over the years. And I wonder that's, why that is. That's true, but the leagues are, are doing anti-tanking things, which does, means that it's, you know, whatever is with all the ping pong balls, it's not automatic that you get the one pick. I don't think the Blackhawks were the odds on. I think they were the number two to get it. And they, mm-hmm. they drew the inside straight to get to one. So tanking oh, yeah. doesn't always work in some leagues. That's yep. true. So who do we like in the uh, conference finals? Oh, I don't know how you can go against Boston right now. I mean, even if they get hero back and even if Jimmy is a hero, I, I, I think it's going to be Boston. And I don't know. I'm very intrigued by this West series. I, I think, I think LeBron and AD are hungry. They figure out the pieces around them. I think they're going to shock them. I think you're going to have that Celtics Lakers final. That'd be, that would be something. I got, I got nuggets taking care of the Lakers. I think the Lakers are going to run out of gas. I got nuggets four to one in that series. Four to yeah. one. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, four to one. And, and I actually have the heat beating the uh, Celtics. There, whoa, there's something whoa, magical about whoa. that team this year. Wow. Huh. Wow. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think this, the heat can beat the Celtics. I think, you know, if you saw how the Celtics struggled, against the Sixers it was, it was when the Sixers packed the paint to cut off drives to the to the hoop and Celtics were cold from outside the heat cannot do that inside they just don't have the beef to do that something about Spolstra man well, There's I was going to say about you, we, we spent a good amount of time talking about how uh, the Celtics coach may get fired after going to the finals Yeah, um, and Spolstra is probably one of the one of the best coaches in the NBA. So top three, I would say that that best is coach remaining in the playoffs. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Oh yep. yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, yeah. But I, that's it, what I got a heat nuggets final. Wow. I do. I do think the Celtics win it though. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, is, is AD going to cover the Joker? Is he going to defend? Cause that, that might be one of the only guys who can shut him down. He can't defend him on the perimeter. Joker's dangerous from out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um I think Jokic is probably the, the best player in that series and is probably too much for the Lakers, but I don't know, it's hard to count LeBron out. So you got I said what I said. Thing on the West. <laughs> I said what I said. What I said. It was clear as day, clear as day. It could All land right. on either side of the coin. Yes, you feel strongly both ways. Yes, that's damn right. 
Celtics Nuggets. All right. All right. Well, when do these start? Do they they don't start tonight? Tomorrow. Right? Tomorrow. Right? Yeah. yeah. Do they both start tomorrow? No, Wednesday's the East. Lakers Nuggets. They're going to go alternating okay. days. Yeah, that's what I assumed. Okay. All right. We'll be fun. Anything else on NBA? No? Anybody got someone they want to punch? Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Cool J with the triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. I do it, I, don't, do it. I have one. I don't know whether to punch this guy or Hug pray, pray for him, honestly. But John ja Morant, he, you know, comes off of an eight-game suspension for three incidents involving a gun or violence, professes to understand how he needs to mature and get help and, you know, seek seek forgiveness and the whole bit. And, you know, he, he, he signed this huge um, rookie max extension worth about $192 million over five years and would have gone up another $40 million had he just made the all-NBA team for the second season in a row. And he didn't make it. And that, we all know why he didn't make it. Who's going to vote for him after all that nonsense? So just a few days later, what does he do? He's, he releases his buddy. The same buddy who, by the way, was with him at the Pacers game um, and and caused a stir on the court and then got banned from all uh, from the Memphis arena after that. And then was in the car where the Pacers alleged that somebody pointed a laser gun at their bus uh, with Morant in the car. This same guy decides that it would be a funny thing to do to to do an Instagram live video of Ja with a gun in the car and Ja and they post it this weekend. I mean, come on, are you Ja's not a stupid person. He's an intelligent guy. He he must be self-destructive or I don't know what, but he needs some help, man. And the and and the league has been pretty freaking forgiving of this guy. I think, I think he's close to the end of the rope. I was listening to, um, Keyshawn Johnson this morning and Key was saying, this is serious business because this is a guy who did not grow up, uh, you know, in the real hard, hard knock life of, uh, Uh Oh, hear me now we do now. Yeah. But, but it's like hell bent on being seen as one of these gangbangers. And to the point where real gang members are getting pissed off at him. So he, it's getting to be dangerous. He, 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 he refuses security because he absolutely doesn't want it. He'd rather be the guy flashing the gun. He's, he's about to, I think he's about to flame out of the league because of this behavior. And I'm wondering where, where in the hell is, are his parents who were, you know, perfectly happy to, show up at every game in the playoffs a year ago and the dad was getting all the pub where they need to step in. This guy's still obviously got the maturity level of a, of a 16 year old. And he needs, I think he needs to take a sabbatical sabbatical from the NBA for a year and get his shit together because otherwise his career may be over. And if he's that bullheaded and refuses to do it, then he needs a punch.
there, there's so many things that are combining here. You know, there's the gun culture and then this Instagram, TikTok, look at me, influencer culture that that's all coming together. Um, and gang culture. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Uh, I mean, that's I, not I guess new. So. That's not new. Well, I mean, they're all. Yeah, I, I think I think that's probably right, that they're all sort of coming together here. And, you know, it's it's really a, a nasty intersection. Uh, and I don't you know, I, look, I don't get the the gun culture personally. Um, and when I say gun culture, I, I'm not even talking about hunting and, and sporting, that sort of stuff. I mean, that's that's a different conversation. But but the handgun, you know, toughness sort of thing. And and then I and I truthfully, I don't even understand the Instagram, you know, the the, the influencer look at me culture. Oh, either. God. I hate uh, that. That's that's I know. So, you know, there's a lot going on here, but you know, one comparison, and and it's not, you know, it's not spot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the comparison and tell you why it isn't really spot on, is Alan Iverson. And and I think the you know, Rooster, you you made the point that Keyshawn was saying that that John didn't grow up in the tough neighborhoods and and with the gangs. Well, Iverson did, uh, Iverson did, and he always had that mark on him throughout his career, even though he generally didn't get in any trouble. Now he definitely had some issues with hanger honors. You know, I think he got caught with with weed in the car at one point when when you weren't supposed to have weed. But, you know, it probably cost Iverson money in the long run. Now, he was a he was an MVP. He was a superstar um, and, and he showed up for every game. But he never I don't I don't think he did anything that got himself suspended where he was not useful to his team. Right. But this is going to be a double digit suspension for him. And at some point, teams are going to say, we can't count on you to be on the court. I think it's going to be an indefinite suspension um, until he gets proves that he, I mean, the, what's the one thing this guy couldn't do after the first suspension? What he did? Post a video of him with a gun. That's the only thing he had to absolutely avoid. And he did it immediately after they get knocked out of the playoffs. I mean, my God. Yeah. Now, isn't, isn't part of the inquiry when that video was actually shot? Doesn't matter. He posted it this weekend. I I, I understand. It's simply it's about poor a lack. Judgment. It's it, in addition to poor judgment. It's a lack of humility. That's what John needs. He needs a big IV infusion of humility to say, like, I was I was caught with a gun. I'm in trouble. I'm going to have some humble pie. He's doing the opposite on purpose to say, oh, I'm still, I can't be touched. I'm immortal. Yeah, I got caught with a gun once, but look, I'll post it again. I can't be touched. That's just someone who lacks humility. And 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 the thing is with Iverson, it's painful to watch some of the stuff with Job because of the Iverson history that we saw here. I mean, what was so painful to watch is how Iverson's money went away because all these hangers are on the posse. The famous Iverson Posse. They took all his money. They he, he spent it on a bunch of things, and he spent it on his friends. He seems like a great friend, but not a very smart business person. I I, I just really pray that Jog gets away from some of those people. Gets a really good mentor. Gets a really good coach, and cleans up. He's a spectacular talent. 
Like yep. unbelievable talent. Yep. You know Should what? For another, today, but for no. today, he's definitely a punchable face. Yeah, yes. he is. What's the he and his entire entourage should all be punched. One thing Key said was he's still actually friends with the guys he used to run with back when he was growing up around the gang. But he told them early on, if we need, if you want to be friends, if you want to remain friends and you want to have all of the benefits of my friendship, now that I'm making all this money, we need to protect ourselves. We need to have constant security, never drive, never do anything stupid. And to this day, he's still friends with those guys because he was smart. He had business smarts and it worked. You don't have to turn your back on your friends. You just have to be smart about it. And Job Morant is doing things the absolute dumbest way he can do them right now. All right. Any other punches to be thrown? Anybody got a lasso? I wish. Yeah, I, I don't. No lasso this week. Oof. All right. How about a pour one out? Yeah. So, uh, it's 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 uh close to the sporting arena is the game of poker which has become definitely uh a sport online in person the world series of poker on television um when i first started learning poker where i, I really wanted to learn the game someone told me if i want to learn the game to go out and get this book called super system so i went out and got it and it was by this guy named Doyle Brunson. And you you read this about this legendary guy from Longview, Texas, who was larger than life. And in the early days of poker, when they first started the World Series of Poker, this guy won consecutive World Series of Poker main event titles in 1976 and 1977 on the same hand, which is the hand that's behind me on YouTube, which is the 10 deuce, which is... I don't think there's another poker hand in the game that's named after a person, but that's the Doyle Brunson hand. And um, both the stories of those, of those hands are legendary, but the people who are really into poker. Like they follow his hand. They followed his career. Uh, he, when you, the, the main event is, uh, is no limit hold'em at the world series of poker, but there's lots of other events. It goes on for a few weeks. And if you win one of the major events, at the World Series of Poker, you get a you get a World Series bracelet. So he's got ten bracelets, which comes in second all time, and he's a legend. Everybody reads his book that wants to study the game. Uh, all the great poker players of today say there will be never really be another one like him. His his, his story is just incredible. He's going to be working for the Burroughs Company and basically got there on day one. They said, you know, come play cards with the group, and he. He basically won the equivalent of a month's salary, didn't show up for the second day of work <laughs> and, <laughs> and went to cards forever. Um, but he, he's a he's a great character in uh, in the game of poker. And he died yesterday. And uh, I'm pouring one out for Texas Dolly Doyle Brunson. Good story. All right. Buzzer beaters. <laughs> I got a couple. Oh boy. I, my back my back uh, screen is a face off between the uh, Stars and Kraken tonight game 7 here in Dallas. Uh Ottinger got pulled early in game 6 after letting some loose goals in. 
but his record is 23-2-3 after a loss. The uh, Stars have a really good record after winning game five. So um, I anticipate hope, and the city expects, because they're the only team left uh, right now in any kind of playoff shape that the Stars win game seven tonight. I will not be at game seven, though, because I will be at the Globe, Globe Park, uh, Globe Life Park for the Rangers hosting the Bravos. Well, who are you rooting for, Pope? Wow. He'll tell, well, tell you, wearing, He'll tell you, you after the a, game. Are you wearing a Donna Kelsey jersey with both teams on either side? I, I have one being made. I'm not sure it's going to be ready in time for the game. But, uh, you know, the Rangers are actually like they have the third tied for the third best record in baseball with the Braves. It should be really interesting. Braves just came off getting swept by the Blue Jays. Rangers just swept the A's. And uh, the Rangers are going tonight with a rookie, Cody Bradford. Nobody's ever heard of him because he's never pitched in the majors. Called to the big show this afternoon. Lefty drafted in 2019. Should be fun night at the ballpark. We'll try to watch a little of the Stars game uh, on YouTube. And uh, hopefully a big night here in the Big D. So, Pope, if you have to wear like a, a Braves or Rangers hat and then so, a Braves or Rangers jersey, like if you were going to wear one of each, what would you wear on the hat? So I, I will I will let you come into the abyss that is my brain. Uh, this morning, <laughs> this morning I, I looked I looked for hats to wear tonight. You know, I do have Isn't a collection. abyss of big empty space. Pretty much. Like, one of the abysses. It's like the Globe Life Stadium. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And and I found that I did not have I didn't have one Texas Rangers hat, you know, that was something that I could wear. I have like an old World Series hat from years and years ago, uh, but I have like four Braves hats. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to wear a Braves hat to the game and cheer for the Rangers because I'm cheering for the Rangers. And I think I've said this before. If the Rangers and Braves ever played in the World Series, I'd be for the Rangers. I just don't see that happening all this year. Who knows? Anything could happen. But no, I'm not wearing a Braves hat. In fact, I may have to buy a Rangers hat while I'm out there. That's an automatic. Oh, that's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah, a couple T-shirts. Yeah, maybe a vest. Yeah, visor. I've got a I've got a a buzzer beater here. Um, So, with a fifth inning strikeout of Brewer center fielder Joey Weimar or Weimer. This pitcher became just the fifth pitcher in Major League history to strike out a thousand different players. In his 20th season, Zach Greinke joined that list. Wow. And the list is Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, Roger Clemens, and now Zach Greinke. Wow. Think about that. That is crazy. really, that is I mean, those crazy. are all, all Hall of Famers, except for Clemens, Clemens. who, of course, isn't in uh, because he was a cheater. And um, but but that's pretty remarkable list. And gosh, it's, it's I mean, 20 years of pitching at that level for Granke is really remarkable. He, he may be one of the most underappreciated uh, players in, in all of baseball, quite honestly. and and. You know, he does have uh, he has social anxiety issues that he's had to deal with throughout his career. Uh, I will forever be very appreciative uh, when the Astros and Dusty Baker 
pulled him out of the game game seven against the Nats because he was dealing and there was no way we were going to beat Granky that that's night. That's right. That's and, right. And they pulled him out and we went on to win the series. But um that's that's pretty impressive. So that's that's my buzzer beater for the day. I've got a short one that we'll actually get in on before the buzzer. Um I learned on Sunday for the first time from one of uh, the Milrod clan that God actually has an Instagram account. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, however, he turns out he's a Celtics fan. Yeah, <laughs> well, That's true. That's kind of a dig as well as a buzzer beater. Well, well I, I mean, the ultimate dig right there is Rooster putting up the, the Markel Starks background or Mark, uh, Fultz, uh, whatever his name is, Fultz, right? Yeah. Um, for uh the, to show off the pick that could have been uh that could have been Tatum. That's that was savage, man. That was rough coming in today. It's almost like you guys coordinated your backs, your backup there. Almost like, but we didn't. Well, we were talking I, about the process the whether tanking was worth it, the process. Well, I I have a buzzer beater, but I've got nothing left on sports, so I'm gonna go personal. Uh, I am going to um, wish our co-host, Bison, a happy birthday on Wednesday. I only know this because it allows me to wish my my son, Jake, a happy birthday. So happy birthday, Jake. Happy birthday, Jake. This is a big, big uh, pinnacle for me this week, guys. I graduate my first kid from college. He's an ardent listener who listens to almost every episode. Congratulations, Zeke, on graduating. Although you have not majored in selecting quarterbacks for your fantasy football league and Joe Burrow, you have done some other incredible academic accomplishments. Congrats on on your graduation. Congratulations, Zeke. Congratulations, Zeke. Zeke, And happy birthday, Bison. Happy birthday. And Jake. And Jake, my man, Jake, our TikTok, our TikTok advisor. Final shout out tonight to Nico at Jinx Proof Tattoos in (laughs) Georgetown. If you need some ink done, check out Nico at Jinx Proof. Good dude. All right. Anything else? You guys have a good week. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, 
Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.